But I think what's even more important is to ignore the advice from your best friend that says, don't do it, man. Don't do it, man. You're going to have kids someday. What are you going to, you going to raise kids while you, you know, open float centers and do that weird stuff because people want to see you. They want to keep you where you are. They want to keep you nice and safe where they have you in your mind. They want to keep you in that spot because it's comfortable to them. It's predictable to them. And so finding mentors, finding guides, that's great. But I think what's even more important is to resist the input from the people closest to you. This can't be it. There has to be more. Wait, am I crazy? No. If you're yearning for more and working hard to make your dreams a reality, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Dreamcatchers. It's the only show committed to helping you self-actualize and then transcend, leaving you with the legacy you've always desired. Listen in on conversations with successful philanthropists, entrepreneurs, and founders every week as we connect with them for inspiration, education, and direction. Your host, Jerome Myers, is here to help you exit the matrix and transform into a leader of your own revolution. The question is, do you believe your dreams should be real? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome, and we've got the pleasure of having Sean McCormick in from Seattle, Washington. Sean, how are things out there on the West Coast, brother? Sunny, man. You know, everybody hears Seattle and they immediately think gray and rainy, but we got about a week left this summer. We get a little bit of sunshine and then it goes back to being gray for 11 months. So I'm good. Outstanding, man. Well, I'm super glad that you made some time for us. Sean, I do things a little unconventional here. The listeners, they're going to love what we have to talk about today, but I don't make them wait all the way to the end to find out how to find out more about you. So with that said, how can the listeners get in contact with you? Because they're going to want to know more about you and get into your world. I love that. That's thank, thank you for that. So the, the easiest way is, is through my website. It's my name, seanmccormick.com, S-E-A-N-M-C-C-O-R-M-I-C-K.com. I've got podcast archives, discounts for biohacking equipment, what I do, how I do it. Or you can find me on Instagram at real Sean McCormick. I'm pretty active there too. Well, you know that we got the real one here. So this is going <laughs> to right. be really exciting really quickly. So I don't read bios here. I tell the story so that the listeners can get into it. But I can assure you that Sean is a dream catcher, ladies and gentlemen. And so we're going to dive into the story. And so, Sean, one of the questions I like to ask is, do you remember your red pill moment? That moment where you realized like you were in the matrix, you needed to extract yourself and actually take control of your life and really be the catalyst for change for you and your family. I remember the exact moment like it was yesterday. Uh, It was 2010. My wife and I were commuting back from downtown Seattle to our studio apartment uh, just outside, just north of the city. We both happened to work in the same building for different organizations. And, you know, it was late November, rainy, gray. It was dark at 4.30 at night. And I was in my my suit and tie and my wife was in her, you know, suit jacket and pants and we were driving home and I turned and looked at her and I said, Hey, you know, is this it? Is this, is this what our life is going to be like? And she goes, I hope not. <laughs> I said, we could really easily stay in this place and make decent money and have insurance and play it safe. But I don't know if I want that. 
she said, yeah, I don't know if I want that either. And I said, what if I just quit? And we started a company and she's like, Sean, you have never taken a business course or a marketing course. Like, <laughs> tell me more, please. And I said, you know, I've been looking at float centers, sensory deprivation tank centers as a business model, you know, while I was at work because I was bored. And I think we should start a float center. And she goes, is that the thing where you go into a 10,000 pounds of a thousand pounds of Epsom salt in float and naked in a tank of water in the dark? And I said, yeah, that's the one. She goes, I'm in, let's do it. And in that moment with my strong willed Taurus wife who I've been with since I was 15, she never buys in that quick. She always needs way more back and forth. But when she said, I'm in, I realized that that was the moment where my life would change because I didn't need to convince her. She was ready. I had her support. I had her, I had at least a little bit of buy-in despite having zero business experience. And then from that day forward, I threw myself completely at researching how to run open this really obscure wellness center. And my life changed. Two weeks later, after making this mental decision to get out of the corporate route race and be an entrepreneur, I got offered a raise in my job. And of course I took it because all of that money was going to be going into the bootstrapping of this wellness center. And two weeks after that raise that I got, I got a phone call from another company that offered me another 40% above what I was making to come work for them. And I said, Oh, sure. So I jumped ship. I went and worked for this other company, um, made 40% and just squirreled all of that money away to bootstrap the wellness center. And to me, I saw that as an indication that I was on the right path. I made it up. I made the decision in my mind to exit the matrix. The matrix was clawing at me to bring me back in. Here's some more money. Here's higher commission rates. You know, here's Here's all these goodies. Come work for us. We'll we'll give you a whole whole bunch more money. And I and I thought, you know, this is great. This is this perfect storm of I'm on my way out. If you want to pay me a bunch of extra money for a year while I build my business and business plan, I'm into it. And uh, you know, fast forward, you know, 12 years later, I haven't had a boss. Uh, I haven't had a W two in in 12 years, and I do all sorts of wacky, impactful businesses, consulting, coaching, podcasting. And that that was the moment. That was the very moment. Okay. Was that the first moment though? Was that the mm-hmm. first moment where you had this itch, where you were asking the question, is this it or is there going to be more? Because I think so many people just push that thing down and they ignore it. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I, I ignored it for a while. You know, I I I I never fancied myself a a, a, a cubicle employee. So it was, I was always uncomfortable in that, in that place. And I had been doing it since I graduated from college, you know, sales comes naturally to me. And, and, and there was always this portion of my brain that said, this isn't you, dude, this isn't like 24 making great money, but bored to death and drinking too much and going out every Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, thinking to myself, this, this isn't me either. This is, this doesn't, this doesn't suit me. It it just took a couple, took probably four years of me 
like pushing that down and saying, no, no, this is good. I'm going to make good money. No, this is good. I've got insurance. No, this is good. I'm going to make my way and climb the ladder and be a, you know, a, you know, a senior account executive. That's, that's my destiny. So yeah, I mean, I, I, from, from the jump, I knew that I was in the wrong place, but I, but I ignored it. And so there's so many people out there who are doing work they're not passionate about because it pays well. What do you say to those folks? <laughs> I think you got to ask yourself what your soul wants. Does your soul want shiny shoes and slacks and ties and water cooler conversations about dancing with the stars? Is that what your soul wants? Does your soul want, you know, donuts on Friday mornings in the break room? Does your soul want uh, padding the pockets of stakeholders for some other company while you grind and grind and grind? And if your soul wants that, cool. But if if your soul doesn't want that, then it's time to really get back in touch with your your unique skill set, your unique passions, so that you can begin to unpack what you really should be doing, what you really should be doing. And and you and I talked about this on my podcast a little bit. It's like when was when was when did you give up on your dreams? This is this idea, this question that, that you laid out. When did you give up on your dreams? Were you 25? Were you 17? Were you eight when you decided that you were just going to do what everybody else does? So that going back to that place where you felt full of joy, where you felt full of hope, where you really felt aligned toward your, 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 your destiny, your, your, your journey, your path. And I think that that's a really useful practice to think back. When was the last time that you woke up super excited for the day? You know, I, I love it. Right. It's that the questioning <laughs> and then making an intentional decision because you took the time to ask the questions. I think that's where people get jammed is they don't even think, right? They don't ask any questions. They just assume that this is the way they're supposed to be and it's how it's going to be. And they just keep walking to the beat of that drum. And so, all right, you, you said like sensory deprivation, you said float tank, you said you were in cells. Somebody had to show up to help you along the way because I, I don't think, I mean, you're smart, but do you figure all that out on your own? I did. I mean, I really did. You know, I obsessed over this business model. I I really obsessed over how to make this totally obscure wellness business where people come in and shower and float naked in float tanks when we opened in 2012, there were 30 float centers in the country. <clears throat> and now there are over a thousand. And I, it made sense to me that this was viable. I went and did a little bit of, you know, Google Analytics searching to see who was searching for float tank Seattle, sensory deprivation tank Seattle, isolation tank Seattle. I, I saw that there were thousands and thousands of people searching for that every single month in that market. And, and I just oriented all of my attention toward it. I, I I had the support of my support of my wife, but I got ridiculed at Thanksgiving when I told everybody, you know, and this 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 is kind of goes back to an earlier point. Like my your family can be your worst enemy when it comes to following your dreams. Your best friend, your your brother, your aunt Shelly, you know, I I, I remember this. Thanksgiving when when I had quit my job and was building this float center. It was in 
It was during Thanksgiving. It was like, please pass the stuffing. Thank you very much. And then Aunt Shelly says, so you're quitting your sales job to open some hippie wellness center. And and, every, and the, the room got quiet. Everybody kind of looked at me and I said, yeah, I'm going to make it work. And she goes, who does that? Like, you're going to really regret this. And then everybody sort of piled on at Thanksgiving as I'm like dishing stuffing onto my plate. The, the fact is, is that Okay, I think a lot of people, there are people who are supported either by mentors or coaches or or they find people in the industry that can show them the way. And that's really important. But I think what's even more important is to ignore the advice from your best friend that says, don't do it, man. Don't do it, man. You're going to have kids someday. What are you going to raise kids while you, you know, open float centers and do that weird stuff? Because people want to see you. They want to keep you where you are. They want to keep you nice and safe where they have you in your mind. They want to keep you in that spot because it's comfortable to them. It's predictable to them. And so finding mentors, finding guides, that's great. But I think what's even more important is is to resist the the input from the people closest to you. And, you know, I don't think it's always a malicious thing of wanting to keep you where you are. I think it's just... They're programmed for safety. They're programmed for repetition. And if anything disrupts that, then I think it creates issues for them because there's a degree of uncertainty. And I think uncertainty for most people is equivalent to discomfort. So I I appreciate that, especially the story about Thanksgiving. I'm surprised she didn't ask you how you're going to get insurance because I feel like that's the first question everybody gets Mm -hmm. asked when they say they're leaving their job. Okay, so... You have to overcome the family not being supportive. Were there maybe a couple of more challenges you had to overcome in order to continue to go down this journey? So my family didn't understand the business or the value that it was going to provide to the community. And the Department of Health certainly didn't understand the business model. You know, the the Department of Health was a, a two-year process of trying to educate them for the right sort of zoning and operations in, in the city of Seattle. They they wanted to have life perver- life preservers inside the, the the wellness rooms, inside the float rooms, because they were considering the, these pools. And so I probably went into downtown Seattle, you know, at the 28th floor of the Columbia Tower and tried to educate the Department of Health as to what this was. They had never heard about it. They were worried about you know, water sanitation. They were worried about safety. They, I mean, they wanted life jackets in in the in the actual wellness center because they didn't understand it. And uh, that alone, I could have easily quit in the first year because it. They were threatening to shut us down. They were threatening to pull our permits. And I'm a beg for forgiveness kind of guy rather than ask for for, for permission. And, and so. I wasn't going to let that slow me down because I was. We were already having customers. You know, we were we were making good money on Groupon. Like money was coming in, and the Department of Health kept threatening to shut us down. Uh, and I thought, you know, I'm not going to hold. I'm not going to play it so safe that I'm going to allow these threats to to stop our business from growing. So that was that was a big one. That was huge. You know, the, where was the, your wife in that process? Because I'm sure she's. Yeah. Well, she was, she was still working, you know, and, 
And she, she was a little nervous too. She's like, well, what if, what if they shut us down? Like you guaranteed the lease, like they're going to come take all of our money. I'm like, honey, we don't have any money yet. Like we don't own a home. We don't have kids yet. Like they're, what are they going to take from us? They're going to take the 20 K in our savings. Like maybe, but I think that she understood, she saw the look in my eye, you know, and she understood that I was, I, I was going to will this into work. I was going to will this into success. And sort of skeptically, like, well, how are you going to figure this thing out? I mean, you know, 20 hour days trying to figure this, some of this logistics out uh, over day after day after day after week after month after month to try to get this thing hammered out. But, you know, I, I'd made up my mind and I continued to let that, my intuition guide my process and all these fun things I do now. Well, I, and I feel like so many people never actually make a decision, right? They, kind of commit they they're halfway in halfway out and they're always looking for or trying to keep a path for retreat open but what you just said is that's not necessary burn the boats there is no plan b exactly exactly right yeah i didn't i didn't have a backup plan you know i didn't there there was one way through this and that was to grow this business to make it successful to become undeniable and and we did you, you know shortly after we opened Another two float centers opened in the same market, which competed with, and the the other two businesses were, their owners were tanning salon owners, and they had, you know, 60 locations throughout the Puget Sound, Washington area. So these were like stud business, small business owners. They, they knew what they were doing. Uh, they had a lot more money. They had a whole teams of people to, to work through the marketing and the branding, but I, I out hustled them. I outworked them. I was smart enough to figure out how to, you know, create an online presence that was again, undeniable so that we created this moat around us on search and I was going to make it work one way or another, you know, and then, and then my wife got pregnant and the baby's coming and, you know, it's like that, that's a, oh shit moment. Right. That's like a, oh, because things just got really real. That's when the insurance conversation started, you know, from my folks and my cousins, like, you don't, you know, you got a kid coming, you know, this float thing might not work, even though it was already working. It's like, I got, you know, they didn't get it. I, I, I still don't think they get it. I don't think they quite understand what I do now, you know, <laughs> even though they can, they can find my website, they can see what I do, but, but that's okay. I'm, I'm okay being misunderstood. I know you are too. Absolutely. And I think the willingness to be misunderstood is the difference between the visionaries and those who are just falling in line and doing what the status quo is. And mm. I think that's okay. And so. I mean, it sounds like you were fearless on this journey, but I think all of us have a little bit, even if we call them butterflies. So what was your worst fear as you were going on, going through this? Yeah, well, you know, we got an early indication that people were going to dig this and, you know, we started making good money on, on Groupon. You know, I was, I, again, zero business experience, not a single business course, not a marketing course in college, zero, absolutely zero business experience. And the momentum started early. You know, we'd hit a vein. We were the first to open. We were, we had a, we created a really great experience for people. You know, now there's been over, over a million floats served across four locations in Seattle. So, you know, we've touched a lot of people's lives. 
the 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 looming black cloud of the Department of Health coming in to shut us down was was always there. It was like you never knew when they were going to show up with their clipboard and their chemical testing for pH and chlorine and walk into the float tank, test it and say, this doesn't work. We have to shut you down like that. That loomed for for years, you know, for for three years until we finally figured it out. So that was always there. A lot of people want to unlock their ultimate potential, but lack the strategy, support and stamina necessary to achieve their major goals. They often try to overcome these challenges by trying to do it on their own, causing frustration, fatigue, and eventually failure. We have developed a model for a center life, a.k.a. the red pill, to help them bolster their beliefs, gain clarity on their path to success, and provide accountability as they take action on their goals. When they take the red pill, they rapidly accelerate attainment of their goals and begin to experience a life of significance and impact. Want to find out more? Hop over to JeromeMyers.co. Now, let's get back to the episode. I wonder why. Well, I guess I don't wonder why. I, I think it's kind of a requirement because they're trying to keep people safe, right? Yeah. They don't want somebody locked in a room and die or drown or whatever because that would just be a tragedy. And this new technology with this crazy guy who quit his sales job, what is he doing? Like... I get that. So the conditions almost were almost set up against you, even though you were you were getting the indications that you're on the right path. And so how did you break through that fear? Because, I mean, for some people, fear is crippling, like it becomes a prison mm-hmm. for them and they, they can't move or they feel like they got to run or they decide that they're going to fight. It sounds like you fought, but like, how how'd you really get through it? Because, I mean, the stress of the baby coming and the other stuff, it seems like it could have like all compounded and created a really rough situation for you. I, I made a concerted effort every single day to control the things that I could control, right? Like I couldn't control the department of health's confusion around what we were doing, but I could control my energy. I could control my breath. I could control my diet. I could control my sleep. I spent a lot of time floating in the darkness in these float tanks. I mean, like every single day I was in there for at least an hour, problem solving, meditating, praying, connecting with source, asking for guidance, asking for, for help and solutions, uh, working on my breath, controlling the energy that was flowing through my body so that I could continue to charge myself up so that I could face, face this, the, these, these obstacles that, that everybody, you know, whether you got a bagel shop or a baseball card business or a real estate empire, you know, um, you have, you have these external pressures, but I can control me. I can, I can wait, I can sit, I can meditate, I can breathe. I can make sure that I'm doing me that so that I can show up most fully and I can handle anything, you know, you know, shut me down, file suit, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't going to deter me because I was, uh, I was undeniable. And that's, that continues to be my path. So you did the inside work. I you did the inside work. With, with all of the things that were possible. Mm-hmm. And you become, un, you became even more convicted, unwavering in your belief that you were doing what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. I think everybody comes to that point. But Sean, was there a place where everything was on the line? Like, did you hit a rock bottom? Yeah, I did. The, 
the silent partner that I found to help in this business, uh, who I didn't know very well. And I'll, I'll give the, I'll give the, I know this is a podcast, but I'm going to keep this story fairly concise. The, the, the guy who contributed some capital to, to help this some, not, not a ton, but some who had a little bit more business experience than me, a guy that I didn't know very well was, was technically my, my, you know, silent partner in this. And after, after five years and after him making his investment back in six months and then continuing to get paychecks from the work we were doing, he was disrupting the business. He would come in, he would be rude to guests. He would be rude to staff. He'd boss people around. And I called him on it a couple of times. And the model at which we were operating was inequitable. Uh, he was, he was, the arrangement that we made in partnership was insufficient, unclear, and ultimately would lead to me having to book a call with him. I said, Hey, let's meet for coffee. Like I want to, I want to rethink how we're doing things here. Cause this isn't working. You know, you're, you're being really disruptive. Uh, you're, you're, you're getting all this money for, for not only no work, but also disrupting the flow of business. I just want to rethink how, how we're doing our thing, you know? And the moment I sat down, had a cup of coffee, I said, Hey, I just want to talk about how we do our business. And he goes, I could sue you. And I go, what? And he goes, I could sue you. And I said, what are you talking about? What do you mean? For what? I was like, I haven't even, I haven't even said anything yet. And, and at that point, at that moment, obviously our dynamic changes completely. That, that was a, oh no moment. I said, what are you talking about, dude? He said, for breach of contract. And I said, what breach of contract? We're just having coffee. And he said, I don't like where you're coming from. I don't like what you're about to say. Um, just know that that I could sue you at any moment. And from then on, uh, that started an 18-month process where he sued me. He sued me for uh, for everything. He wanted to come after the businesses. He wanted to come after my house. At that point, we did buy a house. We had a second child. And he he wanted to aggressively take over the company through litigation and just bury me in lawyer's bills to 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 basically take over the company. And it was an 18 month process that weighed on me. I mean, you can imagine, you know, how, how I'm I'm operating this business, I'm raising kids and I'm fighting this guy back and forth through mediation at first until ultimately we settled. I I wrote him a check and he left. We didn't it didn't actually go to court. That was the lowest moment. That was an 18 month low where this guy was, this guy that I thought I knew was coming after me and my family and my business. And, you know, there's some other details there, but there, that, that was, that was the moment. This, this guy was trying to undo all of this great work that I had done. Oh, yeah. And so how did you stay healthy during that period? Because I imagine that's a different level of stress because you're being attacked from all angles at that point. Mm, yeah. The way that I managed it was was really through exhaustive conversations and communication with my wife, walking through scenarios. What happens? What happens if this happens, honey? What happens if that happens? Like, what are we going to do if this scenario plays out? I continued to do the work. I continued to float every single day. I continued to meditate every day to control my energy. I to control my 
my power and amplify my inner, my vibration so that I could face all of this stuff. I probably got some gray hairs during that time, you know, you know, hair thinned out on the top of my head a little bit from the stress and dealing with dealing with this knucklehead. Um, but I wasn't going to quit. I wasn't going to cave. I wasn't going to let him win because it was, it was unjust and ridiculous. And so it was this combination of me controlling my energy, making sure that I've got all the juice that I need in order to handle this coupled with really walking through communicating, talking with my wife over and over. I mean, this was this was the content of our dinner conversations around the table every single night for 18 months. And it helped me run through my mind to have the resolve to continue to do the right thing. And so controlling myself, controlling my body, controlling my actions and talking through, you know, I, I reached out to mentors, you know, people that I, that I kind of knew, but I didn't know anybody. Cause I'm, you know, I'm this hippie kid from Seattle that started this float center. It's not like I knew you know, the, the, there was one guy that I was, that I knew from the jujitsu place where I was doing BJJ and he, he runs a, a, this massive marketing agency and he decided he agreed to have coffee with coffee with me. So I showed up in his, in his office and, and I said, you know, Hey, this is what I'm dealing with. This guy's coming for everything. Like can any words of advice? And he's, and he said, have you made up your mind whether or not you're going to quit? Like is, is, has the, uh, has the, notion, the idea of quitting and caving come into your mind? Like, is it possible that you're going to quit? And I said, no, no. And he goes, well, then you'll figure it out. That was it. That was all the guidance he gave me. He said, you're going to figure it out. I think, I think that he, I think he realized that he didn't really know about this business or he didn't, he couldn't really help me with, you know, wellness center strategy. But this, this big, powerful, successful guy was like, if you're not going to quit, then you're going to figure out a way out of this. And I was like, all right. So I, you know, I took two sips of my coffee. He took two sips of his and he's like, anything else? I'm like, I guess not. So I just, you know, I left. That was, that was a, that was a trippy moment because I think guys like that, guys like you who have built amazing things, figure it out. You find solutions. And so I had to, I had to do that too. (laughs) So, I mean, it feels like you've been on this journey and outside of your wife, like, you really haven't had a whole lot of support. That just sounds absolutely exhausting. But you've been resourceful in it. And I think there's so many people who get caught up in the fact that they don't have the resources or they don't have the privilege or they don't have this or they don't have that. They use that as a reason for why they can't be successful. But John, I think you're proving to us, like, if you've made up your mind and you know for a fact that you're not going to quit and the only way through this is to actually go through it. There's not a around or under or over, but like plow right into it. Then anything is possible. And that's what I'm taking away. Anything is possible. And, and, and it doesn't, whether or not you are an entrepreneur, whether or not you own businesses, it, if you have that mentality that you will be undeniable, if, if you have made up your mind and you believe in, in your self, every that that is a uniting thread through all of entrepreneurship through all of for for people who who live the lives that they want is that they decided to they decide they made up their mind they decided that they were going to live in a certain way and and 
through that knowing, that inner knowing that you're going to get this thing figured out, you're going to create the life that you want, then you find solutions. And they may not be easy. They may not be comfortable. They may be a little off the wall, but the the intention comes first and then the rest is is logistics, details, and strategy. Logistics, details, and strategy. <laughs> Those words for a lot of people sound so simple, but the devil's in the detail, right? Yeah. All right. So what was the reward for going through this arduous journey? There had to be a bright side to this, right? You wrote the guy a check. I suspect that you probably emptied out and potentially sent him money that you didn't have. So what was the reward for going on this arduous journey? There were lots of rewards. I'll just list them. One was confidence in myself the the fact that I did get through this, you know, the, the the story wasn't over. There was a lot of problems. You know, there's a lot of strain from writing a check like that. But I had the reward of the self-knowing that I could handle situations like this. So that was one. The other reward was I got this guy out of my life and out of my face and had the freedom to to not be disrupted anymore. Number three, during this time where everything was in question, Everything that I had built was now sort of in limbo. It was during that time that I decided that I was going to go get my life coaching certification to sort of diversify my talent stack a little bit, you know, to 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 attract uh, additional options. It was also during that time that I uh, started the podcast uh, and took the baton from the previous host for the podcast. So the reward was an opening up of my aperture, the way that I was seeing myself and my service to people. Uh, So I, you know, diversified my skill set a little bit and learned other tools, learned other strategies for service to people, which when you provide value, you get value back. You know, the other, the, the other rewards for that were, were a clear conscience, you know, clear, a clear conscience, like, I did the right thing. I fought like hell and it worked out. And even if it hadn't worked out, which sometimes it doesn't, we all fail, we all screw up. Failure is just part of the deal. I I knew that my resolve was going to continue to take me places. You know, I made up my mind that I was going to have a great podcast and made up my mind that I was going to be a really effective coach. So, you know, the the results and rewards from going through stuff like this are big and small and 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 again all start in your heart and in your brain and in your gut because that's that's what's going to make you great i love it love it love it love it so let's think about where you sit today and we didn't talk about everything right that you've been through and you've done but we think about where you sit today think about sean who was in sales right had a nice cushy job hanging out the water cooler talking about america's Got talent or uh, the dancing show. What's your what's the biggest difference in your approach to life? I think the biggest difference in my approach to life is that really anything is possible. And that sounds cliche, I realize, but when when you switch out of the norm, when you step out of the matrix, when you take that red pill and you realize that you have this immense power within you, power of discernment, power of will, power of innovation and creativity and networking. And that, that I didn't have that when I was 
in sales. I didn't, I didn't have that, that vision of myself that I was going to be, I think the seeds were there, but I, I hadn't been tested yet. And the different, the difference is, is that people who are less educated, people who are perhaps less talented than me could potentially outwork me, right? They're, you know, didn't, didn't grow up in lower middle-class neighborhood like I did, didn't, you know, didn't have, don't have the same sorts of, you know, attributes that I have, but those people who are going to do the work and have this incredible focus and drive, they be, they can, they're, they could probably take my place. And so that, that drives me every day is that I don't want to be outworked. You know, the vision's great. You know, the, the branding is great. That's cool. That's all well and good, but I won't be, I won't be outworked. I got a buddy that lives in Seattle that talks about redeeming work. And so that's, that's right on par there. And so now that you have this new perspective on life, what are you most grateful for? I'm most grateful for the freedom that, that I've helped create for myself and my family. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm most grateful for my life. I'm most grateful for my family and the health of my kids and putting food on the table. But I made the choice and continue to choose every single day to live a lifestyle on my own terms, saying yes to podcast appearances, saying yes to coaching clients, saying yes to speaking engagements, you know, in Miami, like I get the flexibility to live the life that I want to. And it is hard work. It is challenging, but for me, it's worth it. It's, it's worth it. Every single day, I continue to choose to be my own, be the CEO of my own life and, and continue to charge for it. And, and, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade that. I wouldn't trade that for anything. I love that. Absolutely love that. Because I know for a fact and everybody else who's actually tasted or experienced freedom knows that there's no going back once you actually get there. Mm-hmm. There's, this is a one way trip. <laughs> You're not going back to the old way once you actually understand what's available to you. So what dream are you most focused on catching next? Yeah, the dream I'm most focused on catching next is I want to provide a solution to people for them to take control of their own health. You know, it's it's clear, it's clear, clear, clear that leadership doesn't know what they're doing. You know, the people in charge of taking care of us and keeping us healthy, they don't know what they're doing. The third leading cause of death in the United States, if maybe you've heard this before, is basically medical error. The third leading cause of death is there's a there's a fancy name for it. It's like IO, IOTO, IO something. But basically, this is like errors in surgery, medications that 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 hurt people or kill people. There the the medical system in North America is screwed up and people don't know where to start. Your doctor spent three hours learning about nutrition when he got his medical degree. Three hours. In his all of his medical education, he spent three hours on nutrition. That's insufficient to me. If your doctor's not asking you what you're eating or how you're sleeping, he's failing you. And now having done 391 podcasts and talking to some of the expert leaders in the world in science, research, nutrition, fitness, wellness, personal development, gut health, brain health, Alzheimer's, you know, inflammation, there needs to be new models and I'm building it. I'm building this new model that is going to provide people with 
access to their own medical records so that they they can have them because you should access to resources that are not influenced by big pharma to products and services that are custom to them to a platform that is going to usurp Google and Amazon for health search. Amazon's making a play at getting into the medical system. You know, Google has tried in the past and we all need better ideas for health optimization and better products and better services. And so I'm building it right now with a partner and uh, it's going to be, it's going to be massively disruptive to the current medical system in the most beautiful way. It's going to give people their own power back to make smart health choices. So that's the dream. And that's a big, that's a big swing to take, you know, to say something like, right, you're laughing because you, you, it's like, ooh, right? Heavy, right? Big, hairy, audacious, big, hairy, yeah. audacious. Yeah. We, we're, 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 the train's moving down the tracks, man. You know, 35 yeah. other, 35 companies are like, yes, we love this model. We want to participate. These are companies that make incredible natural supplements and products, you know, cutting edge, you know, biohacking technology. Like they get it, you know, they're getting hammered on SEO. They're getting hammered on Google. Their, their models are, are, are no longer, they're, they're becoming less and less profitable because they have to fight against the man to get their products to people who need them. And so we've, we've, we've proven that, the, that people want this and that companies want this. And now it's just a matter of, of executing. The platform is built and now it's just like all these other cool details about how to get this in front of people. Logistics, the details. Yeah. Right. Hey, right. So the final question, the one I always wrap the podcast up with, Sean, is what's the one thing you want the listeners to take away from this episode? I think you got to trust yourself. You know, you're here for a reason. You're, you, you're here alive today for a purpose. You have a purpose to fulfill. And maybe that's driving a school bus, you know? Maybe that's being an excellent mother, you know? But you have a purpose. And when you begin to think about what that is and how you can live that purpose out, when you begin to orient your lifestyle and your decisions, what you put in your mouth, what you watch on screens around that purpose, when you cultivate and curate your life to walk that path along your purpose, your life becomes more joyous, more interesting. You learn more. And so that's what I would want people to take is become insatiably curious about why you're here and then start to make some changes toward it. And it's never too late. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it from the man himself, Sean McCormick. Really enjoyed this episode, man. I think you dropped so many jewels the true embodiment of a dream catcher and somebody who I think is just going to have a huge impact on the world. Really grateful for how generous you are with your time, man. So I just want to say thank you in front of everybody. And to the listeners, your dreams should be real. We'll talk soon. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.